Welcome, investigator. Evil is on the rise. Crime is escalating. Our mission is to eliminate the crime by exposing evil, examine why it manifests, and highlight the brave souls that confront it every day. Join us as we work together to bring justice to every victim. Welcome to All Things Crime. Here's your host, Jared Bradley. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of All Things Crime. I am super excited this morning. Uh, I have a guest on named Colleen Fitzpatrick, and she is a Ph.D. She has more accolades. In fact, I've written them all down, and I'm going to have to read them here. But, uh, yeah, roll your eyes, Colleen, because um, you know what? It is what it is, and we are going to go through this. So this may be a little painful for you, but um, first off, welcome, Colleen, to the program. Yeah, well, right, yeah, nice to meet everybody. Hi out there in podcast land. Yeah, and uh, and video land. So if whether you're listening to this on the podcast or watching it on YouTube or Rumble, we appreciate you and hopefully you'll hit that subscribe button and the bell and so you never miss an episode. But um, our guest today is essentially, you know, we've heard a lot in recent years about genealogical uh, forensics genealogy if I can get that right. So, and, and Colleen is basically one of the founders of this. And so uh, her experience in the forensics and helping solve cold cases, and especially homicides, is just absolutely uh, unparalleled. And so I, I was doing some research on you, Colleen. And well, first of all, two of the, uh, oh, don't do that, right? <laughs> um, two of the most respected uh, homicide detectives that I know uh, recommended that we talk, and so th they were they were like, you know, if if you know anything about DNA and genealogy and you know those areas in helping solve cases, you have to talk to Colleen Fitzpatrick. So, um, yeah, both Lindsey Wade and um, Joe Kennedy. Who I know you know uh, very well. Yeah, nice yeah. people. Fant fantastic people, um, and both extremely experienced uh, homicide detectives. So, uh, you come very highly recommended, Colleen. Thank you. I well, like those people. So I, I had to I had to list some of this stuff, and I'm I'm just going to read this so that I don't miss anything. So, it, first of all, the founder of Identifiers International. Widely? Oh, identifinders! Stop, stop! Everybody mispronounces it. Sorry, identifinders. Identifinders. I'm sorry. What did I say? Identifiers. Oh shoot! I'm sorry. All right. I'm well, sorry, Nacy. I just destroyed the <laughs> ruined the whole podcast. No, no. <laughs> oh, you you know what? When uh, uh, my wife never hesitates to correct me, so uh, everyone everyone oh, else may go. as well. There you okay, go. There you go. You've been well trained. Oh. All right. <laughs> Yes. Let's start over. Okay. Founder of Identifinders International. Did I get that right? Okay. Yes. Um, widely recognized as the founder of modern forensic genealogy. Worked several hundred cold case homicides. Member of, and I always mispronounce this too, so member of the VDOC Society. Yeah, VDOC, yes. VDOC. Yeah, I knew I mispronounced that one too. VDOC Society. Uh, and, you know, maybe you can explain a little bit about what that does uh, as we go along. Um, the Phoenix Canal murders, you were instrumental in helping solve that. And, um, boy, that I think that one would be really interesting to get into. Co-founder of the DNA 
uh, Doe Project. Wrote, um, boy, you're uh, uh, quite the author too. Wrote Forensics Genealogy, DNA and Genealogy, The Dead Horse Investigation, Forensics Photo Analysis for Everyone, and The DNA Detective. Are there any other books that I forgot? No, uh, I'm working on another one, but it's not out. And it, I, I'm eternally working on the next book. One day, one day there'll be another one on the list. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I, I started a book about three times, and um, I think I got about two pages of the first chapter written, and that's about the extent of it. So the fact that you've got four books already and you're, you're working on another one is impressive, to say the least. Um, you're a PhD in nuclear physics and have an MS and a BA in physics. You're fluent in English, French, German, and Spanish. Well, I'm, I, yeah, okay, near fluent I, I, in English. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. near fluent. I, I do very well. I do very well, let's put it that way. Wow, okay. Well, um, many years ago, I, I spoke almost fluent Japanese, and so... The fact that you know oh, wow. you know You're four kidding. languages That's, is unreal. Really, the language I tell you, Japanese is the is the one language that I just couldn't couldn't make progress <laughs> in. You know, I walked in the class the same, knowing the same stuff. I walked out of the class knowing <laughs> it was so tough. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a different uh, language for sure. The um, yeah, just the structure of it is so much different than like Spanish yeah. and English that um yeah yeah it's the, so weird the verb is it's always so at the weird. end and um yeah it, it's uh i just we could be the whole podcast could be about learning japanese right me. <laughs> well, i'm pretty sure um all, all my all all my listeners aren't really interested in learning that so um no, no let's move on let's move yeah on. absolutely so let's let's get started with if you could just give like a, a quick introduction of yourself and especially how you, I mean, I, I, you know, your resume speaks for itself, but how did you get into forensics genealogy? Um, you know, people ask me that all the time. And, um, well, you, you know, the timeline is that, of course, I have a hard science background and I, you know, love genealogy. I never really got interested in genealogy. Uh, it's funny, I was kind of born into it because I'm from New Orleans. I grew up you know, around my all four grandparents, sometimes their brothers, sisters, sometimes their aunts and uncles. So I say I grew up around living history. So you, you never are apart from that. It is you. It is part of you. So having that flavor or that background historically and personally and having a hard science background, sooner or later, you know, they were going to come together in the same brain and come out to be forensic genealogy. So that's basically what happened. You know, I pursued science, science, science. And in 2005, I had my own company and uh, it was not a good era for a small company. So we closed and that was about the time I finished my first book. And I thought forensic genealogy and I thought, okay, you know, we'll do this for a little while and let's open another rocket science company somewhere. And <laughs> didn't work that way. And now I do forensics. Well, I, I'm sure every law enforcement agency that you've ever helped is very glad that you didn't, you know, start another, you know, rocket science type of a of a mm -hmm. company because, um, yeah, who who would have ever thought, especially back in you know the early two thousands, that 
forensics genealogy would capture the you know golden state killer and and all the others so yeah yeah right it's amazing and i want to say too people ask me what the connection is mm -hmm. how did you go and i do want to comment that the connection is that as as a scientist you know in a lab i handled a, a, a immense amount of data 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 analysis you know what what's good what's bad what am i looking for is it there you know do i have to get noise out of it what you know, that kind of thing. That's exactly what I do with genealogy. You know, it's just all about data. <clears throat> it's all about finding that data that's good, getting rid of the data that's not useful, and knowing what to do with it. It really doesn't matter what field you're in. That is generically what what it's all about. Oh, absolutely. Well, maybe uh, really quickly tie in how genealogy and DNA, for that matter, ties in with physics. Um, again, it's data. You know, it, it's knowing how to, um, you know, looking at, for there's all kinds of things you look at in data, like um, what data is not useful, what data looks useful, it's called false positives, but it's not really. And that would be, you know, it, you can see in data, you're taking data on a screen and you have peaks and stuff, and there's noise in there and you have to get rid of it. Well, it's the same way in genealogy. Like if you had two guys in your tree with the same name, or you're looking for somebody named John Smith from New York, there's 50 million. Which one is the right one? Same way in physics. Which one is the right one? You know, what are you looking for? Um, it's the same thing. And like in physics, you take data, you know, you have some detector, you have some screen with peaks you're looking at, and actually about 95% of what you're looking at is not useful. You don't care. You're looking for that, that sweet spot. And in genealogy, you build trees. You build trees. Suppose you are a match to some somebody, a violent offender. I am another genealogical match. In other words, we're both DNA cousins to this guy. We don't know really the connection. I have a family tree, you know, going back forever. You have a family tree. We're only going to connect in one place as a rule. So... Nine, you know, 99% of what I have in this glorious tree, throw it out. I'm looking for my connection with you and the killer. Throw out all your stuff. Throw out all mine except for that connection. And that's that. That's what you're doing. You know, you're filtering. You're looking at. And just in physics, we have electronic filters to get rid of noise. We have tricks, you know, to get rid of more noise to make that sweet spot bigger. It's called signal-to-noise ratio in physics. Same thing here. We have GEDmatch has plenty of tools. You know, they have in common with, they have their mixture, you know, they have name search. You know, you have ancestry with all that information. There are filters you use in genealogy to get rid of that big tree I have and to get rid of that tree you have and find the, the sweet spot. Oh, yeah, it's so fascinating. So just kind of di to differentiate between, like, the typical DNA that everybody hears about that like CODIS related STR type of a, a DNA profile versus the genealogical uh, profile. Um, can you briefly explain the two of those so that uh, the listeners? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I give a lot of training sessions and this is part of it. You know, CODIS, the way we, the legal form of identification was invented 30 years ago. And those markers were are called STRs. And the important thing is the S stands for short. So what that means, short, tandem, repeat, the S is for short.
It means that marker is short and long and short and long. It's a piece of real estate on the genome. And at that time, they picked 20 of those pieces of real estate, all on the different chromosomes. And they used that. They, and those markers, those little pieces, were easy to reproduce. They were reliable. They gave enough diversity in the population. They were devoid of medical information. Um, and basically, they said, you know, we'll use it as a one-to-one. So we have DNA from the crime scene. We'll get, used to be 13 markers, now it's 20. We'll get our STRs from the crime scene, and we'll compare that to something in a database to see if the guy already committed another crime, and we know who he is. So it's basically one-to-one. -one. Nowadays, you can do like one-to-almost-one. You can do a little bit of a, and that's only 12 states allow familial matching, it's called. But even so, it's only good for mom and dad and child. You know, it doesn't reach further than that. You can't take a first cousin and find somebody in a date. You can't do that. So after 30 years, now we have genealogy. And the interesting part is all we're doing now with, it comes from the same stuff that Ancestry does, 23andMe does, and that came out of the biomedical industry. So it's a completely different way, path of development. So what we use in genealogy is called SNPs, and the S stands for single. It's single nucleotide polymorphism. So single means a single point. So instead of using 20 pieces of real estate, we use about a million points. And so now the game changes. How do I compare it to what's in the database? You know, one-to-one -one is going to be kind of weird, right? So now the game changes to how many points do we share? So if I put my own stuff, a violent offender in a database, I'm not looking for an exact match. He's not going to be in there. He's not going to have taken a genealogy test, DNA test, right? What I'm looking for is people that share points with him. So if I'm lucky enough to come up with my list of cousins, you put your the DNA, your points, your million points, you put that in a database, and you come up with a list of we call them DNA cousins, people that share DNA with that guy. And if you're lucky to come up with somebody who shares 50% of their SNPs, their points, it has to be a parent, a child, you know, a very close relative, and you find out who that person is, and you build their tree, and you know, it's got to be a... Uh, you know, a brother, if it's a brother or a sister, there's only one way they're connected. If it's a first cousin, it could be two ways. They could be connected on mom's side. They could be connected on dad's side. If it's a second cousin, at four ways. You know, the, the more cousinship you have, the distant, the more ways it can be connected. So what happens is, I'm, not ju I'm just talking about if I find one. Mm -hmm. Right, but we have many, and so that requires some kind of Sudoku type thinking where you move, you know, the first cousin is he a second cousin, or do they relate to each other? And there's only one way that it all fits together. And we play Sudoku, it's like a genealogical Sudoku. And when we get that all set up, there's one piece missing, and that's Mr. X. Wow, so when you say um, a one-to-one -one ratio, like what they use in the FBI database, the CODIS database. Mm -hmm. um, if it's if it's not a one-to-one -one match, if it's maybe a, you know, they say it's like one in four thousand versus somebody that would would authentically be a one-to-one -one match might be one in a trillion. So when you talk about those kind of ratios and and what they actually 
talk about in uh, court, for example, um, how would that differentiate when you're talking about the SNPs? Okay, you're mixing a couple of things. Okay. First of all, when you have CODIS and those now 20 markers, you do look for the one-to-one. -one. So you have somebody in your database, and it's one-to-one, -one, so, you know, the, the agencies get together and figure out, you know, who this guy is. And then they, and then they say, okay, it's John Smith. You know, he committed a bank robbery or something. We know who he is. Okay, then when you go to court, you say, how likely is it that he matches and there's not some random guy walking on the street that has the same one-to-one? -one? So then you go in, that's more like population statistics. Mm -hmm. How sure am I? And yes, I got my one-to-one, -one, but how sure am I that it's unique? How sure, if he's got a weird marker and he matches the weird marker in the database, the chances are higher that you're not going to get a random match. And that's what you hear in court, like one to tr one in trillion. Or if you have a combination of matches and it's really, you know, unique, that's when you get your one in seven trillion or billion. But if it's kind of common, you know, one in 400, that might not be good in court. And that's another reason they went up to 20 markers to get those statistics, you know, more and more. If we had 50 markers and you matched, it would be hard to, you know, uh, say, Another random guy is going to have all 50 the same, right? right? So really, it's 20 is where we're at now, and that's probably where it's going to stay for a while. And I will tell you that what we do is, you know, we do some magic with genealogy, and we identify John Smith. Great. That's only used as an investigative lead. We have to go to the police and say, we think it's this guy. And they have to go and get a, a, a DNA sample from him, either with his permission or to collect his trash or something. And they have to do the legal part after we're done. All we do is generate a lead for right now, a lead to that identity. And then the police go and get... Now, when they you know, get their, say, consensual sample and they match it to the crime scene... That's when they can go and arrest somebody. And when they arrest them, they take another DNA sample right there in front of the video cameras at the police station with the barcode, you know, put it through the system. And that's what's used in court. Right. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate you clarifying that. So when you so why why, for example, as of right now, why can't genealogical uh, forensics be used in court? Well, I would say it can to illustrate a lead, you know, but it's not, it hasn't been, uh, you know, validated in court. You know, for one thing, right now, there's no crime labs. You know, crime labs have to go through all kind of accreditation, validation with their equipment. You know, it's, it's a process. I mean, it's hard. And there are no crime labs that do this. So really, this is coming out the biomedical industry. It It's not... It's not that, you know, validated, credentialed that it, I don't, I, there's a word for it, that you just can't walk in court and say, hey, my coffee cup matches his and therefore he's guilty. You have to have some system that has been put in place that you go through the procedure and you safeguard that you really are looking at good evidence and talking, to, you know, there's some sanity behind this and some kind of organization. And genealogy hasn't gone through that yet. 
Now, I will say that Intermountain Forensics is becoming credentialed, is becoming uh, by, uh, what is it, accredited by ANAB. They're working on it now. So, And also, I know that Verigen, who owns Chedmatch, is working on getting uh, their, you know, uh, processing into the crime labs so it's not far in the future that you know genealogy is going to be more acceptable it's just not right now thanks for joining us your attention today brings us one step closer to exposing and eliminating the evil that brings crime to our communities hit subscribe and share this episode together we will bring justice to every victim